Hi, I'm Daniel. You're listening to the 16-ounce canvas. What's the 16-ounce canvas? It's where you make beer. What? It's where you make beer? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Do you like it? Yes. Is it your favorite podcast? Yes. What other, what other podcasts do you like? Um, I don't know. I love you. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. I want to thank my little man, Daniel, for helping kick off the show. He's been under the weather here, so he's been kind of my co-pilot for the last few days. Weather is shitty. Snow is falling, so drive safe wherever you are. We do not pair well with slippery, icy roads driving when you shouldn't be. But you are listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kierens. I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you and yours to the artists and designers from around the world, this shit is global folks, who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. And this week's episode, we go across the pond, we talk to our now good friend Rich Norgate of Magic Rock Brewing, and it was just a really nice conversation which I'm excited to share with everybody. What is really cool is a lot of folks, you don't hear it, and people think I do some really cool editing or magic behind the scenes, but when we talked about it before, we don't really get the chance to meet. So, I mean, we have a couple emails back and forth, you know, I pitch them on the idea, and then we just hop on a phone call. I mean, there's about five to ten minutes on average that we talk before, you know, the tape quote-unquote is rolling, but it's just a nice example of that, you know. Had the opportunity to talk to Rich about his career, his life, family, cycling, design, music, and even at the end, when we're wrapping up, you know, there's a cool surprise there, which is local to me. And so, all in all, this is another great episode. I really, you know, I know I say that a lot, but I love this. I love these people. I love what they're doing. It's just a great opportunity to connect with somebody from a different part of the world. There's a super small chance that I'll be uh, in Europe early next year, uh, you know, late January, early February, and just the idea of you know being able to possibly go over there and meet with you know him and you know Nick, Drew, and just some of the other great you know folks we've had the opportunity to kind of vibe with, and, and you know, I don't want to get you know I don't want to get too excited about it, but it just uh, you know gives me the warm and fuzzies. So hopefully we can. Hopefully we can make that happen. You know, this past week, uh, I took a epic road trip with Aaron and Brian, good friends of mine, and we headed up to Vermont, left Connecticut about 5 o'clock in the morning. We'll just say 5.30-ish. Headed up to Hill Farmstead, and while we were there, I know you thought I was going to talk about the beer, but no, I had the opportunity to meet with Alex, Alex Peltz, Peltz Creative, who we had on earlier episodes, and it was just really nice. He's moved back there from uh, the Philadelphia area back to, you know, the Green State, his, you know, his home. And he happened to be there with a, a meeting with the, the team there, and we got to meet. It was brief. We posted the picture. You can see my uh, sad excuse for November, 
And it was just a, it was really just a nice, genuine opportunity to to share an experience to to meet somebody. You know, it'd be much cooler if you got a chance to to crush some beers. If you're going up there, the the Flor- the Florence Punchion is out of this world. It's one of the greatest beers I've had. Definitely the best, one of the best beers of the year. But that's what it's all about. We don't talk about the beers, the rarity, the barrels. You know, limited. No, 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 no. I love those beers. I also love you know shelfy beers. But all the beers we have, and we talk about this, you know, and the importance of the pub, and just talking to somebody are just made so much better by having them with somebody, whether it's a stranger, two folks, two different walks of life. You show up to the pub, you sit down, you have a pint, you both get to talking. You're already sharing a common, you know, whatever, whether it's your favorite, you know, football, either proper or American, and you're what have you. Just We all have things in common, and they're made better with cold beers. So look for that. It's a good part of our discussion. Also, we have another installment of Where in the World is Heidi Geist's 48 Beer Project. We're going to try that as the middle section this week of the podcast, see where she is on this adventure. Exciting news coming on that front in coming weeks. We're excited to share some stuff with you there. And we've got a lot of things going on, but we are just blessed. We're blessed that you're here. Remember, you listen to us on the World Wide Web's 16ozcanvas.com, 16ozcanvas, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to... We'd love to hear from you there. Also, remember Magic Rock Brewing. That is where Rich is coming from, Rich Norgate, on Instagram. And just uh, you know, check it out. Follow along. Let us know. Also, AJ at 16OunceCanvas.com. Let us know how you listen. Let us know how you involve. You know, let us know how you, you know, follow the artist, you know, where you're listening, tag us, which is really cool. We're almost at a thousand 16 ounce canvas hashtags on Instagram. I know it's not really you know a big deal, but I just think it's really cool because we've got about a little over 400 posts of our own. So we've doubled that. So folks are using that, artists are using it, fans are using it. We don't use beer porn. We kind of uh, stole or share label love with our good friends you know who came up with that idea. But we think it's really important. Um, but we thank everyone who's using it. And shamelessly head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and review, leave us ratings. It means a lot and helps get the word out. So here we go, folks. Without further ado, it's our good friend from the other side of the pond, Rich Norgate, Magic Rock Brewing, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Uh, I know, you're probably thinking, oh, he didn't say what episode it was. Oh, he didn't do his little thing. But it's episode 87, Ochenta y Siete. Muy bueno, amigos. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have with us today Rich Norgate. He is the designer and kind of art director for Magic Rock Brewing Company. Uh, he's joining us today at their location in Willow Lane, Hutter, Huddersfield in Yorkshire. So it's nice to talk to somebody outside of the States and get a unique perspective. We came to Learn Richard's work, you know, where we kind of went down the rabbit hole of the interwebs and we're trying to figure out who did the art design for Magic Rock and have been following along with your, your work and your cycling for a while. So thanks so much for making the time today, Rich. No problem at all. Happy to be, uh, happy to be doing my first ever 
podcast <laughs> all right see we, we're definitely uh we're, we're we have we've done that a few times so we're definitely we're gentle and it'll be you know if, like i said if any, any anything you need to stop or redo you know the the, the fans at home will never know so as i said to you before we got started I, I really enjoy your work because a it's it's extremely unique uh you know i love geometry and shapes i love your really thick lines you know it's kind of you know it also is really modern and kind of uh, abstract at times so i just really wanted mm-hmm. to again thank you for being a part of it i think that what you're doing is is really cool i'm always a big fan of you know black and white work so it's really you know, strong with your work you know within the you know the yeah. highlighter the accent colors you know throughout so it's really uh utilizes the the limitations of you know labels and you know even even the base cans i think for a lot of them are black which is a it's pretty badass and you don't really see that very much <laughs> no no sure yeah totally Excellent. So, um, as you know, since you've listened to all the episodes, um, what, what we do here is this is the part where you talk about yourself. So what's kind of the, you know, what's the rich Norgate story? You know, how did you get into design and, you know, kind of, you know, just take us back a little bit and then we'll you know, see where it takes us. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting question to start off with because, uh, at the weekend, uh, I was uh, chatting to, a a friend of my sister's who's a head teacher at a college and uh, he's sort of asked me to uh, come in to speak to some of his students about about design and how I actually got into it which kind of uh, I knew this was coming up but it kind of maybe focused my mind a little bit on why I got into design and uh, why I sort of uh, yeah ended up going down this path and uh, the first thing that I kind of said to the guy was you know for me, I've really struggled with a uh, sort of exam sort of style way of uh, education. And uh, I was always better at uh, coursework or getting a brief given to me where I could spend time thinking about what the idea might be and what, what the outcome could be. And uh, I could kind of build something around that. Whereas the idea of uh, revising some some work that uh, would then ultimately end up being a, a sort of two-hour period and you know you either you either got the grade or didn't uh, was not something that was very sort of in tune with like how I how my head worked I suppose so yeah I suppose when I going back to a really early age really just finishing GCSE so that's kind of a 16 year old in the UK uh, I kind of knew at that stage that the sort of academic sort of style uh path was not really where I wanted to go so after that generally people go to do A-levels and then they kind of go either to university uh, and then or, or not you know people go into other other roles as well but I kind of knew straight away that I kind of didn't want to do that so I, I enrolled on a uh, on a on an app uh, graphic design course uh, a BTEC national diploma at a local college and uh, I kind of didn't really know exactly where that might take me but uh, I've always been lucky to be uh, sort of exposed to to really good tutors and sort of mentors and people have always been sort of really open-minded about design in terms of when I've met them in terms of, uh, let's be clear about this. So instead of it being like, you know, you're going to do a graphic design, BTEC National Diploma, and you're going to go into packaging design, that's what you're going to do. It it was always kind of seemed to be very open in terms of how we were, educated at the school i went to basically jewsbury art school uh to do my b tech national diploma and, and from there you know we could work it 
in photography, screen printing, this maybe go down more the fine art route, and and that's kind of where I really started to enjoy uh, graphic design to begin with, uh, and then and then basically from that, that was a two year course. I went straight into university. Uh, well, it's funny actually. <laughs> uh, I was doing my friend's uh, best man speech uh, a few weeks ago, and I made a joke about. Uh, Academically, it was a it was a university, but we we called it art school when we were at a university because it seemed to have more more cool sort of a kudos behind it. Uh, you know, you kind of could say art school and feel a little bit like, hey man, yeah, I'm at art school. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I kind of uh, I went to university and uh, man, yeah, it's. Uh, it feels like quite quite a long time ago, but I can kind of remember it like it was yesterday. I really struggled to begin with in my first year. Uh, again, I had a really really good tutor, uh, a guy called John Young that's sadly no longer no longer around. But he was he was like pretty pivotal really in in, in sort of helping me sort of uh, uh, just just sort of enjoy graphic design and. And not not trying to oh, that's the right way of sort of bringing this to life, but not not sort of a trying to be something that maybe I wasn't at the time. I I was still really young to be at university. Generally, people finish school, GCSEs, do A levels, and then if you go into art school, you'll do a foundation year. So I was kind of eighteen, uh, still really young, and uh, the people that were sort of there kind of year older which i suppose at that time uh when you're sort of 18 a year so when you're a year older feels quite a lot older whereas you know as you get older generally age becomes less of a sort of thing uh but yeah the sort of uh the upshot really the first year at my university uh, the first semester i've kind of of failed everything and i was kind of like sort of really like well this is you know what where am i going with this and what do i want to do and how am i how how is this going to ever sort of materialize into a into a into a job into a into a career uh and uh yeah i had a really good uh tutor like i say and uh well my best friend who who i was doing the best man speech for uh, a guy called luke he was also really really influential in sort of uh bringing me on as a sort of designer and as a person and uh kind of just opened my eyes to the sort of design world and designers at the time and uh yeah I kind of sort of just followed that followed that path and and tried to uh try to see where it took me really and uh yeah and then just sort of I I grew in confidence and yeah just sort of went from there then went into you know started to make some sort of ground in the second part of the first year and then second year and then really sort of to really I don't I won't say get into it but really sort of started to uh get a get a style that I kind of seemed to enjoy working in which was kind of like where we're at now with the sort of bold vector based sort of shapes and pattern and I've always really enjoyed the simplicity of two three colors uh I really enjoyed doing silk screen printing at university and I've always been I've always really liked that sort of mechanic of a uh, design really so yeah i mean that seems to be quite a lot of stuff about youth <laughs> yeah no i think it's uh, a, yeah i think that i mean 
I think that sometimes university or art school, right, is it's overwhelming the idea that you have to, you're this young person, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And so sure. the fact that you had folks look out for you and mentor you and kind of bring you under their wing is like, that's the beauty of it. You know, I think that's the, the best case scenario you know, really is to be able to fall and get back up with, with the help of others who've, who've been there. And I don't think we realize that as much sometimes how, Massively, yeah. I mean, the, the the course was really good because it was called a graphic arts course, and the, the bit that's important there is the the art bit because it wasn't like I say specifically a course that was building you ready for the graphic design industry. You know, we were allowed to sort of look at illustration and again look at different sort of ways of designing, whether it be silk screen or using montage and uh, photography. And it wasn't really until the sort of second year that we started to really uh, the the course we stuck together as a group, but we there was there was a side that people were doing more illustration, and there was a side that people were doing more graphic design, and it was kind of like it wasn't really massively uh, built really just to be like right, you've done your three years, and now you're going to go into the industry and get a job as a graphic designer. Uh, it was like really open to interpretation, which I think helps people sort of explore. Uh, the way that they enjoyed working and, and now you know from from that you know i've still got friends from university that are, that are illustrators and are absolutely amazing illustrators and then there's people that are working for big brand agencies and there's people that are doing their own sort of uh, freelance stuff and then there's people that have set up design agencies so it's kind of like yeah it, the, the idea of it not being too focused was was actually really helpful as a designer because you know we're I think as designers, you you're open to uh, lots of sort of inspiration, whether it be uh, you know an artist or a painter or a photographer or a music artist or a music label or you know whatever you know you can kind of yeah we're effectively we're, we're commercial artists aren't we uh, as graphic designers so I suppose we're making something that is more for the commercial world world as opposed to maybe something that's more uh, based around fine art, but the two definitely cross over. I felt like that at university. For this. Yeah, and you, were saying, and you were saying before that uh, you do better with the situations where you have time to work on the brief, and I think that's one of the cool things about a situation like that is everybody has their mm -hmm. own style, but you're all working on the same, you know, maybe problem or concept, but how everyone came back to the table with it is, to your point, all those folks in the same class, you know, went down different variations sure. or kind of six degrees of separation of the, of the same place. And so I, I always love that because it's okay, you know, on the simplest level, okay, draw me the sky or draw me happiness. And it's like, you know, somebody yeah, might just yeah. draw a simple happy face or, you know, whatever, a sun, but someone else might just draw something completely different or yeah, yeah, do the watercolors or, you know, vector art. Well, you know, it's... It, that's that's the beauty of it all to, for me is is the the fact that it's interpreted by everyone differently and that's encouraged. Yeah, yeah. Well, like doing a doing a Picasso, putting the uh, putting the nose where the eyes are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, the, or the mouth somewhere different. You know, you sort of challenge challenge the notion of what was uh, not the status quo at the time, but kind of said this is what I'm going to do. You know. So yeah, you know, people people see things in different ways. You know, we've all got. I've got two. Well, we've all got. Well, sorry. The majority of us have got this, uh, the benefit of sight. So how we how we see things and stuff is is different.
Yeah, and even on that, I saw this thing. It was amazing yesterday. I mean, it was uh, it was like one of those like feel good like you know vignette like minute long mo- movie or clips or whatever. And it was like this blind and deaf dog, and but like it could okay. tell it could tell its owner was home, like t- right okay. just by the scent that would like it would know. And it was it was it was wonderful. It was just like to think that you know, and it was so excited. And you know, they had their way of communicating with each other. A certain you know, rhythms he would tap the dog with. But, like, the dog, you know, 100 meters away could smell, the, you know, smell him coming home and was ready yeah, to go. Yeah, it, yeah. it was just, it was just, yeah. A, yeah, it was just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, sort of intuitive, uh, intuitive sort of wavelength that we get on as human beings is pretty incredible. Knowing, you, you sort of sense things, don't you? It's, uh, it's always, uh, well, <laughs> funny enough, when you're riding a bike, sometimes you sense that you're going to crash before you actually crash. <laughs> you know you kind of can feel it sometimes i don't know it's, it's a really weird hard to explain but yeah you, before you crash you might be feeling like right something's gonna happen and then bang it's happened so yeah yeah anyway. <laughs> no yeah and i was gonna ask i mean it's um and again folks uh let's just get let's get the uh, administrative stuff out of the way if you want to follow along with richard's work it's rich norgate on instagram it's a really good uh introspective kind of on you know, life, biking, art and design, and just kind of, you know, friendship and beers and what, what have you. And so it's very apparent that cycling is, you know, it's very important to you. And you just mentioned that, you know, how did, how did you get it? How did you get into cycling? I mean, is that, it seems like something that, is that something you've always been into or is that, um, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, cycling is, yeah, a really big part of my life. Uh, it, for, for lots of different reasons, really. Uh, one is it's, a uh, it's an antidote to to uh, the stresses of sitting behind a computer uh, for a long part of the day. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, uh, funnily enough, actually, when I actually finished university, uh, uh, sort of a, the path for designers, or especially young designers outside of London, is that they want to kind of move to London and be a designer there. So when I finished university, I went to university in Liverpool. Um, I uh, I managed to sort of bag myself an internship at a uh, sort of fashion consultancy in London. And, and it was actually London where I really started to get into cycling, uh, which is kind of strange, really, when where I live now is, is so much uh, sort of uh, easier to cycle, shall we say. It's not uh, necessarily better. It's just, it's, it's we, you know, we have a lot of countryside around us. But yeah, so... I uh, moved to London, uh, got a bike for mainly commuting on, uh, in and out of work, but got myself a, a mountain bike. And uh, I had a friend from university that was a, a big cyclist uh, pre-university. Then didn't do, do too much at uni, but we uh, he was living in London as well. And on the weekend, yeah, we'd we'd uh, we'd go off uh, outside of London on those mountain bikes and just sort of and just start riding really. And that's kind of where the the initial sort of plant was seeded so i was you know this is maybe when i was 21 and i'm now 35 uh so yeah we uh we we'd spend time and then that just sort of grew really you know the, the love of cycling uh just grew w- uh with with friends really you know uh, there was a few of us and then that grew a little bit more and we'd take ourselves off to other parts of the country riding and uh, i think it was just a nice way at the time it was wasn't really thinking too much about it, but it was a, it's a really nice way to spend uh, the weekend because 
central London uh, and London in general is an amazing. It's an amazing city. It's an amazing place to be when you when you're 21. Uh, but still, it's quite nice to get out of that sort of a uh, rhythm and to be sort of surrounded by nature and uh, sort of be in that sort of slightly different rhythm. Uh, so yeah, we we uh, uh, the guys that I ride with when I was 21, I'm still riding with now and. You know, we're growing a little bit older. We've got wives. Some of us have got kids, and we, uh, I think, now we're more. We have one weekend a year that we still get together and and ride, because uh, we're all spread out over the country. But uh, and through and through cycling as well, you know, managed to meet uh, people that I wouldn't maybe necessarily have uh, hung out with in London. So uh, one of us really really good friends is uh, is funny enough. He, when we met him was a tax inspector for <laughs> for HMRC and uh we you know we, we probably would have never met him whether other than because we were out cycling and we bumped into each other and he's he's a lifelong friend and yeah I mean it's just uh, I'm sure there's other other sports that people do and other hobbies that you meet people that you might not necessarily meet but it's it's been an amazing amazing thing for that and yeah it's still central to to my life now it's uh something that I do to help sort of switch off from from work uh help uh, i use it uh for 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 mental health for anxiety issues it, it helps me sort of deal with those and and then i use it for just complete pleasure as well you know there doesn't have to be a reason why i need to go cycling sometimes i do go because i'm either stressed out or or you know feeling a little bit down but then sometimes it's just like i'm just feeling good i'm gonna go for a bike ride and then and then I race bikes as well, so that's kind of like a different, which brings its own sort of like uh, complications in terms of racing. Uh, it's kind of uh, adds, adds a different level uh, to the to the sport, and uh, yeah, it's just, I mean bikes are just kind of kind of central, really. It don't have to be specific style. I, I come come from mountain biking, but I ride road bikes. I uh, I ride cyclocross bikes i was uh i was victim to riding fixed gear bikes when i was 21 in london because i thought i was i thought it was cool <laughs> <laughs> we all think we're cool uh, at that age yeah well yeah yeah uh but yeah it just uh yeah you know it's just something that i do and i've uh, but that's how i met that's how i met richard burrows the the md of magic rock uh and if it probably wasn't for mountain biking i don't know if we'd be sat here now talking about talking about this really there we go. Yeah, seeing you're talking about things bringing people together, right? I mean, for me, that's yeah, the that's, that's the beauty of this project, right? I mean, I have I have little pins on my virtual map that I keep, and I now whenever I travel, you know, I've I've yet to to come to London, but like now I know when I come, I there's you know you and there's uh, you know Nick uh, Dwyer over Nick. Beavertown, like there's some yeah, all yeah, these man. folks, all these folks around the world now. Like I'm blessed that I have able to connect with them and i think that's what we need you know and people making an effort to meet new people and seeing where it takes us so yeah i mean i i completely get what get where it is you know it's uh this little brainchild in my spare bedroom is you know i literally met people from everywhere and i'm, I'm blessed yeah yeah totally man i mean i mean just conversation in general is a really good uh positive thing uh dialogue between cheers to that between human yeah, no, dialogue between human beings is important. Uh, it's kind of, I think that's why maybe podcasts have, because podcasts have been around for a long time, but I, I don't know, in the last sort of few years, it, it seems that kind of, 
exploded. Uh, and I don't know whether it's because people are, you know, when I listen to podcasts, it's two people that you're listening to, but you almost feel part of that conversation because generally you'll listen to them uh, intimately on your own, whether it's on your headphones when you're traveling or you listen to them while you're driving. So you kind of feel like you're, you're part of that conversation. And uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to say that everyone's super busy now and nobody takes time to talk to each other, but, you know, it's, it is nice when, when you can just sit down and have a conversation with people because it doesn't happen as often as, as it, I don't know if it, as often it's, as it should or as often as it used to, uh, you know, we, you know, forever, you know, you go to a pub and people sat there on phones looking at stuff or, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that's a, a uh, social media is a bad thing. Uh, cause you know, I, I engage in it and I really, really enjoy it and I meet people through it, but equally it's quite nice to sort of have something a bit different. Uh, and you know, this is, this is different. Uh, but generally that's why, that's why pubs are, that's why pubs are so important. I think because they are for me, an extension of like the living room at home or the front room, uh, or, you know, you, you can go to the, to the pub and, you know, you meet, you meet new people there. Uh, and you never know who you might meet, uh, in a, in a pub. And I think that's kind of the beauty that's hard to recreate in, in, a, in another environment. You know, you, I'd happily, I'm happily comfortable going to a pub on my own and, uh, not to drink lots, but to sort of maybe just sit and have a read or whatever, and, uh, just take time out. But then, you might sort of meet somebody else there and you don't know where that conversation is going to go. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, that's why pubs are good. And it's, you know, it's, it's been a really hard industry for, for independent pubs in the UK for quite a long time. And it's, uh, yeah, the really important part of the, of, of our tapestry as a sort of country. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're just, they're great places. Uh, you never know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah i agree because you you there's the only there's one empty seat at the, at the at the bar you pull up you're you know you don't know who's sitting to your left or your right you know and yeah. sometimes you don't engage and then you you hear something and you, know, you maybe interject yourself and then you see and then you have a you know you might not you might not be lifelong friends but at least you know it just shows that like especially now i mean i think we have similar uh sticky situations going on but different um, mm-hmm. country-wise, but you realize that, like, this person, and I probably don't agree on a lot of stuff, but we're finding a moment or a way to kind of have a common ground, and I think that's really important is to, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I, I've been to Ireland uh, a couple of times, and it, I remember just as a young age, we I went, and I was a, you know, there were people there with their dogs, and everyone was there with their family, and it wasn't, it wasn't a place to get, you know, banged up, and which happens, right, there's, you know, every, I think there's, yeah. but it was all walks of life there, and it was, singing songs and telling stories and laughing and, you know, and sharing. And it was, it was, it really resonated to me that it was more than just, um, you know, a dark corner or somewhere where mm. somebody was, you know, yeah. getting, getting pissed, you know, like it was really, yeah, 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 it was totally. to me, it was, it was, it was a much bigger thing. And I see how important it is. And, you know, to have your local spot, I think is really, it's really important. And I think, you know, some of these breweries popping up now more and more with the tap rooms allow, allow for, you know, to fill that void, but I think the importance of your, your, your local bar and, you know, mm. sitting down for a few is, you know, I think it's, it's more than just, you know, 
cracking a few beers. I, I completely agree with you, Rich. Yeah, completely. I mean, and, and as well, it doesn't, you know, the beers secondary, some, you know, quite, quite not, not all the time, but, you know, it doesn't need to be about having this amazing beer. I mean, I, I love beer. I mean, I'm not an expert at all on beer, but I really like good quality beer. Uh, but, right. you know, you can go to a, you know, sometimes when you, doesn't need to be about having this amazing beer. You know, you go into the pub for, for for the other reasons sometimes to just sort of, yeah, like you said, to speak to some speak to somebody or just have a have a conversation. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, me and Richard said, you know, you could have you could have the best beer in the world but be drinking it on your own, or you could have the worst beer in the world but be drinking it with your best friends. And I think I definitely want to take the best friend sort of angle, if you know what I mean, and uh, yeah. be be on that sort of a uh, be on that sort of uh, side. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, pubs are in, pubs are pubs are great places. You know? Yeah, yeah. Shitty beer tastes much better with friends, but yeah, but when you had that, yeah. So I mean, I think it's I think it's because yeah, it's I'm gonna look back and go, you know, me and you know, me and Mike had a great night out. You know, we were you know connected, and then that story or with our yeah, children yeah, totally. it's you're not gonna go oh wow i really had that i mean you might remember it like short term that beer was awesome but it's like oh that 12 ounces was the best pale ale i've ever had and it's like fucking yeah, yeah. Get, get over yourself man like <laughs> yeah right. obviously if you can have some nice beer right time, right obviously like, yeah that's why right. that's why I, I mean i have beer in the cellar when folks when i have friends over it's we go down the basement and I say, "Hey, whatever you know, you're in my home. You have whatever you want. Like this is just kind of uh, facilitating an, an extra level of the night being awesome." But uh, yeah. I, I think people get a little too pretentious with some of that shit, and I—that's I, not my vibe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Man. And we are back. You're listening to episode number 87, 16-ounce canvas, Rich Norgate, Magic Rock Brewing. It's a good one, folks. Yeah, just sit back, relax. I don't know how it is on the other side or where you are are in the world, but here in the northeast of the United States, we got our first snowfall of the year, which is great for a couple hours. The beautiful white falls down. Everything has nice coating. Not been trampled on or stepped on or driven. And you go outside for the first time, you're not sure how the roads are going to be. You're not sure what that winter's going to be like. There's a calm in the air. You can feel it in your lungs, and it's beautiful. Fast forward 48, 72 hours, melts us a little bit, gets dirty and shitty. I don't know. Probably could find some cool metaphor on life with that, but we won't. So if you're out there listening, stay warm. If you're somewhere, you know, so when it's hot, just uh, don't tell me about it. I'm jealous. I was talking to my boy Dom over at uh, Beer Culture, and he's down in Florida rocking the flips and just kicking the shorts, kind of uh, friendly taunt. So I feel you. I see you, buddy. But it's a great episode here, and I hope you're enjoying this one. And uh, another cool feature, like I said, we have uh, Heidi Geist, 48 Beer Project, 48 breweries, 48 states, one badass artist in a bus and so we checked in with her and we're gonna share that with you right now so without further ado here's our second installment of where the hell is heidi geist right here on the 16 ounce canvas 
All right, everybody, we are back with our second installment of Where the Hell is Heidi Geist, the, the 48 Beer Project. How are you, Heidi? Good to, good to catch up with you. I'm good. I am definitely not in hell. It is cold as hell. It's cold as not hell here. Yeah. Yeah, so first let's just <laughs> logistically so we can drop a little pin on the map. Where, you know, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where are you? Yeah, pin on the map is going to be Coleridge, West Virginia at Weathered Ground Brewery. It's a farm brewery and uh, nestled next to some beautiful hills. Everything's covered in ice. It's quite a scene. Yes, that was my kind of my next question. How's Fearless holding up? It's kind of your first kind of gauntlet with uh, you know, the, the rough weather. It is, but I haven't been driving her. Thankfully, I've got this amazing family that owns the brewery and they have a warm home that's uh, currently being held up by a generator. And uh, Fearless is covered in a few inches of ice, as is everything else. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm not sleeping in her. But uh, she looks pretty. She's Yeah, I do dark. like the photos. Yeah, I like iced over <laughs> photos. Listening. Yeah, I like those photos, but not necessarily yeah. when you step back and like realize the implications or like the the pain right. is like it's like oh that looks great then you're like oh shit somebody's like home house abode car business is like you know you know it worked up. out it worked out good though because I, after this i'm gonna be heading towards florida so i think that you know i shouldn't probably have a whole lot more ice oh. storms oh so you're kind of getting out like you timed it pretty trip. you planned it pretty nicely then right kind of just on the tail end yes oh yeah, I mean, I, I think I lucked out, and it just, the timing worked perfectly this week, so I wasn't on the road, because I think that would have been quite a challenge. I mean, it's bad. There are power lines down everywhere. The power's out all around town. The interstate was shut down here earlier, so. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that is a little yeah. crazy. So, yeah, it's kind of the first, because I feel like when you're in the Northeast, I think part of that's probably because you are, I mean, well, you're a nomad, right? I mean, I think, if I remember correctly, you're originally from... Yeah. Is it Idaho or Iowa? That's right, it's Idaho, Idaho, right? Idaho, yeah. Boom! Look at that. I get, I, I, get, I, get, I get five points yeah. for that. Yeah, triple word score. Good, good job. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, yeah, and so I, yeah, with you being in the Northeast, I think it's probably people are pulling you all these different directions. So it's kind of this is the, like a new chapter of the adventure where you get to kind of just be involved in the you know the homestead and the local a little more than usual. So it's kind of exciting to see where that goes. It feels great. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's, uh, it's nice to kind of move on into kind of the real, not, not even country, both the country of our country, like the genuine, you know, the areas where people are born and bred and traditions are lasting and, you know, kind of get to see the, the true history of an area versus I love the cities, but it's such a mix that, like, you don't really see that sort of, you know, um, I don't know, the richness of, of the history, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. But See the cities, see the views. Yeah, no, I, I like it because I, I spent a summer in high school in Appalachia, and it was awesome. It was just like... Did you? Yeah, it was, a, it was like kind of like a Habitat for Humanity type of a thing. Um, it was wonderful. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. Just kind of... I don't consider my... I guess I'm technically like a city mouse, but I, I don't know. I, I definitely find like the mix of it. I just like things that are slower. That's why I've always kind of been drawn to you know that's kind of why we connected on, on maine obviously portland's kind of the metropolis of maine but i just love maine in general i felt you know it's a little slower up there yeah slower is a great word to describe it too it's like 
it's nice to be near enough a city that if you want that change of pace, you can have it. But in terms of day-to-day life, to be somewhere where you're not just constantly swiveling your head um, and you can breathe fresh air and see stars at night is pretty uh-huh. amazing. Yeah, we get all the the updates when the the different meteor showers and stuff like that. And our, our area is pretty good. We have a couple street lights, but uh, yeah, there's just parts of the country I can only imagine where you just kind of lay back and you don't oh, see yeah. anything. So yeah, I'd say take some pictures, but I don't know. You're not going to take any pictures that are like going to like be you know mind mind blowing. We can probably Google some stuff. Just yeah, just be in the moment. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Exactly. So, so since we last spoke to you, you know, where, where have you, where have the trip, where's the adventure taken you? Where have you been the last two weeks? So I don't remember when we last spoke, but uh, let's see. I mean, I left DC what, a week and a half ago or something. Uh, spent spent a week in Virginia and kind of hit up the entire state, the perimeter, really. Um, so I got to see Richmond, and I, I drove up Skyline Drive. Shenandoah National Forest, and uh, and then out of that Detroit area in Percival, which is like northern Virginia, for several days. And it, I love Virginia. It was uh, it's beautiful territory. People are nice. Um, there there could be a few more coffee shops, but <laughs> yeah, there's more. Bre- I think there's more breweries than there yeah. are coffee shops. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few more things you can do with, but yeah, but it's a pretty sweet pretty sweet state and then the drive from there to here was pretty beautiful and you know it's like uh, if only I, I had someone taking photos the whole time because you know I'm driving down the interstate seeing all these amazing vistas sunrises and I can't possibly pull over my heavy school bus every time there's a photo opportunity but yeah I feel yeah, yeah. here I am now yeah so so you're in West Virginia and you said you're heading to Florida and then are you coming back up again for for the holidays? Well, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm headed to Maine on Monday for a week, and then I'll be, I'll be back into uh, North Carolina for my um, Bond Brothers collaboration before Florida, so. All right. A little bit more time in this area, sort of zigzagging a little bit, so then I'll, after that, we'll be in South Carolina and, and Georgia and whatnot, but. Awesome. Yeah. It's a beautiful part of the country. So yeah, I love. Yeah, I love. We've we've done that. Dr- we drove from Connecticut to Savannah one time. You know, it was a couple years ago, and it was just nice. Yeah. So I, I've never been to Savannah. I can't wait. It's hot as yeah. Just yeah, it's very. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Just, it's the air like with air conditioning capital. It was Irma. just. Yeah. Right. Earmuffs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was the, the thing. I, my wife had a friend in Savannah. And so we're like, all right, well, I, I had a work conference, so instead of me flying there, I was like, oh, well, I convinced work if you know they'd pay for the the expense of driving, it was cheaper. We drove down there. I, I'm terrible at like spatial distances like that, and I was like, okay, Savannah, and I had the conference in Atlanta, so we drove like 13, 14 hours. Got there, we're exhausted. And I was like, oh, I have to go to the conference now, and then like Atlanta's like another four hours. Oh, yeah, it was not yeah. good. I was playing Can like. As soon as you leave the Northeast, it's like, oh yeah, distance. Is it yeah, thing. yeah. Now and how the do Northeast? You... Every everything is by time. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's a, it's forty five minutes, and then yeah. you know, like you're in the real country. It's like, no, that's two hundred and thirty five miles away. <laughs> right. Like, oh, what is that equal? Uh, um, four hours. It's sixty miles an hour. Yeah. Now, if you, yeah. Now, how yeah. is that? Like, I mean, are you? How many hours like are you doing on the road in the stint? Like, you know. 
world's changed now because of that. So like where I was going from Baltimore to DC, which is like, you know, without traffic, not very far, you know, and, and all that to all of a sudden I'm driving from, you know, one side of this crazy big state across the other side of another state. And so, you know, it's not even anything like it will be out west, but you know, like three three hour drive or just under four hour drive, I think, from Adroit Theory to get here to Weather Ground. Um, I broke it up a little bit, but Yeah. Um, like are you a rock star? Can bad. you like can you like I can only do a few. I can probably do like four hours and I need like I need to stop. But like are you driving through no, the I, night? I, like what I are you doing? Drive too long. Yeah, okay. I don't like it. I don't like that feeling of like where you're slapping yourself to stay awake. Oh god, yeah. You've been staring at the road too long. It's that's a nightmare. Um, I've done that in the past and I don't plan to do that on this trip. But but yeah, I can handle a few hours. Right. I'm old though, so my back gets all creaky creaky if i sit too long <laughs> do some yoga i mean i started I, not that i know what i'm talking I about know. i started doing yoga like oh, a no, month listen. ago we go once a week and it's i i fucking love it actually it's been great good no yoga's awesome i'm that i haven't been doing that but what i i have done is i got a planet fitness path okay. originally souring <laughs> yeah but yeah. i've put on a few pounds i've worked out and look no listen they have massage chairs that are free so they have hydro massage and the room is all dark and you can go in after your workout and you can, you know, I don't even remember how long they last, 12 minutes or something, but. They're like, miss, you, you've been here three hours. Please get out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this Heidi person signed up? Button again. Why is this Heidi person yeah. signed up for 15, <laughs> next six hours? Like, what's going on? Yeah. When we said unlimited, yeah, unlimited Tootsie Rolls. No, yoga's great. That's good that you've been doing it. I should take a, a lesson and. From you and I don't, know about, that, I don't know about that. Like I look around, like there's some step poses, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing. I don't can't do that one. But the, our guy's good. He like Wait. he gives like variations of it. So I mean, I'm always at, like the one. But I mean, I I'd say about ninety percent. But I, I not that people care. But at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, you care for some odd reason. I've broken both my ankles and both my feet at separate occasions. So some of the, like the Warrior Three stuff is it's a little wobbly. Oh, uh, now I need to know your your history. Yeah, right. I mean, what <laughs> You've else? You've been jumping off roofs. <laughs> no, they're not really cool. So, uh, Parquet, one, one was skateboarding when I was a kid. Actually, it was uh, whatever. If we're gonna share, I skateboarded when I was a kid, and then my younger brother found my board in the garage, and I was like, oh, "Let me show you some stuff." And like, within ten minutes, I like clean snapped <laughs> my ankle. Like it wasn't kind of a break. It was like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Ankle Skater suck. boy. I've, uh, yeah. I don't think I ever broke, but. Yeah. Oh yeah, I walked down the street now. I just sprain them. It's like doesn't bother me. Like so I can only imagine. Like it doesn't. It's like oh, where be if I was younger, I'd be out for days. It's like oh, that hurt. So I mean, I guess that's good. My pain threshold has gone up. It's more than that though, because there are different people. Like everyone says they've sprained their ankle when they rolled it a little bit, but like a true sprain. Like I remember I've done that a couple times in my past, where it was like a, a break, where it would swell up. For days and turn black and blue and you couldn't move it at all and you had to put a cast on it and that that can be just as bad that that's mm. no fun yeah I mean. this is a weird conversation i'm getting i'm getting ugh, painful <laughs> but yeah to, to wrap it all up i'm pretty excited so i have friends in massachusetts and they live near trillium and so they sent me down some uh some headrooms i had you know i have a, a headlongs excuse me 
And so it was just, it was, it was really cool. It was weird to drink a beer with your face on it. It was, but the, the beer was really good. So I was really, wait, was, wait so, a minute. Who says it's my face? Oh, come on, dude. That's, I mean, obviously it's not your hair color, but that's your face. I mean, come on. You drew yourself on that can. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll anyway. leave that open. To yeah. Interpretation. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's Sorry. great, though. I thought it was great. They just sent me some. Um, yeah. I got to taste it with the Adroit Theory crew the other day. We all loved it. Uh, I thought it was a good, it almost seemed like more of a hybrid of the New England IPA that they're known for and the yeah. West Coast. Like, I didn't think it was overly biting and overly, although I like, I actually like that bitterness and that pininess. I thought it was a good fusion. It was super easy to drink. Yeah, um, it was really, It yeah, wasn't total really nice. juice. No, yeah. I was happy with it. Yeah, it definitely. It was cool, especially because it's from them. And so they, it's cool that they did, did something different with, you know, with your, your beer. So, I mean, it, yeah. so that was awesome. So, but, uh, all right, cool. All right. Well, don't freeze your ass off. We, uh, we'll, we'll check back with you, you. check back with you <laughs> probably after Thanksgiving. And, uh, folks Sounds remember good. to check out 48 beer project on Instagram, 48 beer project.com. Uh, we'll take you there too. If you're lazy and, uh, you know, follow along with Heidi and her adventures. <laughs> and if she's coming to a town near you, you know, make sure to, uh, make sure to check it out. So cool. Story. Thank you. Always. All right. Until, Always good chatting. Until next time, <laughs> be safe and get out of the bathroom. Yep. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right, bye, Heidi. Cheers. Bye. All right, folks. There you have it, part two, our second installment of Where Is Heidi Guy's Forty Eight Beer Project checking in. But let's get back into it. Episode number eighty-seven. Rich Norgate, Magic Rock Brewing. Here it is, folks. The one, the only, Mr. Norgate, and to. Uh, Give a nod to his mom, Richard. Let's get proper here. Mr. Richard Norgate of Magic Rock Brewing, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Thanks, Mom. So so you, you mentioned that you met, you know, you, you kind of, through cycling, teamed up with Magic Rock. Like, how, how did that happen? Were you, did you, you yes. know, at a race or what would happen? No, no, no. It was, uh, so, yeah, so I've been in London uh, three, three, four years working, uh, I'd uh, obviously got more into biking and stuff. And uh, uh, where I live is now where I live in, in West Yorkshire is really good for mountain biking. Uh, my uh, cousin at the time was, uh, he's a lot older than me, but was a rider. He rode with a group of people. And I was kind of coming home quite a lot, coming back up north uh, to ride my bike and then going back down to London. And I kind of started to uh, ride with my cousin and he had a group of people that he rode with. And uh, they used to, go away on weekends away riding uh to different parts of the country and it was on one of these uh, weekends away that uh that i met rich uh i think we were up in scotland and uh we uh we were on this weekend which basically involved uh, uh riding all day and then and then drinking uh well i say all night but you know by the time you've rode all day you know you can only drink a certain amount because you get you get you get pissed quite easily so <laughs> it's quite a nice quite a nice uh way to uh sort of enjoy your drink uh so yeah i was i was out riding with a group with my group my cousin and yeah i met rich and we uh i think we just sort of you know never met him before you know I'm, yeah rich i'm rich yeah, nice to meet you and we just sort of started to talk about things that we were we were interested in you know where obviously where rich was from and where i was currently at the time living in london and we saw he had a background in a design as well so we talked about 
you know, designers and music. And we just had sort of quite a few common interests uh, on the sort of music side of things. And yeah, we just sort of stayed in touch and carried on, uh, you know, carried on meeting up uh, when I'd come home for rides. And and then probably, yeah, I'd say probably about a year and a half later after that, I, I made the move back up from London. Uh, my sister had had my first, well, my first nephew, George, and I kind of wanted to be, I made a sort of conscious decision that I kind of wanted to be more uh, around for seeing him growing up. And uh, I also wanted to uh, slightly change my lifestyle. At the time I was working uh, in advertising. Uh, it's a really good industry to get exposed to, but I kind of, I had like a sort of, now looking back on it, there was, there was like a fork in the road and uh, I had a sort of choice to, to make and I could have gone down this path and stayed in London and, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe had some different career path, uh, but I kind of wanted to, like I say, move back up, back up, back up north, and uh, be a lot bit closer to my family and have a different sort of lifestyle. You know, not not necessarily not work, but I I consciously wanted to sort of maybe enjoy the outside uh, spaces that seemed to be really resonating with me. Uh, it's just it's just as a human being and so i kind of wanted to sort of explore that and uh i kind of yeah moved back up north without without a job secured uh left a really good job uh to not have a job uh luckily i picked up a few freelance uh clients and uh yeah moved back up like i say and uh my cousin uh whilst i joined them on weekends away riding uh they used to ride every tuesday night after work and I started joining them there and Rich was one of the riders that was that was uh, participating in these sort of Tuesday night rides and uh, mountain bike rides and yeah we just we just got talking really I, I mentioned that I'd moved back up uh, I knew that he was working for his uh, family business at the time his dad uh, dad's business and I kind of just said look you know if you ever need any design design help uh, just give me a shout you know I'm working for a few clients at the moment but I've got capacity to uh, to build that, and that's kind of where my I suppose that's where I I was sort of focusing my energy in terms of I wanted to pick up a few clients and sort of uh, and work work for them uh, on a on a regular basis, shall we say? Which is kind of I suppose a dream, a dream scenario for a freelancer. Uh, and yeah, that and that that was it really. Richard at the time was like I say working for his uh, dad's business, uh, which is where the rock bit comes from in the name magic rock brewing uh his dad's a, a geologist and he has a, a wholesale uh, uh rock shop it's called uh and they sell semi-precious stones and fossils and uh to all manner of sort of uh, museums and clients and stuff and yeah rich at the time was uh uh working there as a graphic designer uh doing all the marketing stuff but he wanted to uh set up this uh side project uh which was basically an online uh, delivery service for beer, uh, which was kind of sort of ahead of its game, really. You know, we're talking was a what would it be now, like nine years ago, maybe that he set this up. Which there wasn't many people around doing that at the time. Uh, and I did a little bit of work for that. It was called My Brewery Tap, and, and I did a little bit of work for him on that. And uh, yeah, we just sort of did a few little jobs, and then and then it just sort of, that sort of coincided really with. With Rich setting up my brewery tap, he had a massive interest in uh, in beer. Uh, he'd 
as part of his job for his dad's business, they, they visited America quite a lot. Uh, well, Tucson, Arizona, because it's obviously a big area for for uh, for rocks. And uh, at the time, Rich was obviously being exposed to the American style of beer, and uh, and then he was you know getting excited about that because you know obviously we've got a really good rich history in like cask beer, uh, but I suppose at the time there wasn't as many hop forward beers in our country but rich was drinking them in the states and then the my brewery tap uh bit was uh helped uh by the fact that we were really close to james clay that was a really big import who is still a really big importer of american beer uh so rich was kind of selling that on and then and then i i don't know if it was just a natural progression but you know the next thing that rich wanted to do was set up a brewery uh and then that was really when he sort of uh, came to me and said, "Look, you know, you know, he'd seen my work and he he he, he liked it, and he was just uh, very honest. He said, look, 'Look, I'm wanting to set up a brewery, uh, and I'd I'd like you to I'd like you to do the brand for it.' And we uh, well, we worked on it together. You know, we so I basically went and uh, to his to his to his office where I worked, and we uh, yeah, we we worked on the brand, and we. And that was kind of the, that was the beginning beginning of it really. That's how it kind of started. Uh, so yeah, total total, well not total chance meeting, but from just meeting some dude <laughs> in some some forests on a mountain bike led to uh, led to working working with him on a uh, what what has become like my my uh, my life really. You know, in terms of my in terms of my career, uh, it's, you know, it's really. It's really sort of uh, it's really sort of flourished. Uh, I didn't just see it as another client when I did the job. Uh, I did sort of uh, have the sort of I suppose hope that it would grow and I could grow with the business. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's not a it's not an overnight thing. You know, you, we worked on it and it was a freelance job and uh, I, we delivered it. And then after that, I would do uh, design when he required it. But it was. You know, it was, you know, not not a uh, not a regular weekly thing. You know, it was when he when he needed it, and uh, I did. I was carrying on with my other freelance work, and I was also at the time <laughs> uh, probably taking my love of mountain biking to the limit. And uh, I was out in France working as a mountain bike guide, uh, so I was basically uh, working in the French Alps and we would get holiday mate. Well, we would get groups of people coming over and staying with us and I would take them out onto the mountain and take them riding for a week. And then uh, I did that for a couple of summers whilst freelancing. And uh, yeah, we just, that's kind of, I just grew, you know, yeah, that's kind of where it was at the beginning, really. That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at you, that you said, you know, the, the road, you know, with, with your nephew, right? You came back and all these things, it seems like a lot of stars aligned and the choices that you made, you know, really, you know, these small little things made these massive, you know, kind of, you know, kind of the old butterfly effect, right? And so you decided, yeah. and it's probably a happier version of your of your truest self, you know, but you still worked at an agency for the man or the big business. And mm. that's probably, you probably learned so many, little, you know, things that have allowed you to be kind of your, you know, an entrepreneur and kind of, you know, do your own thing and, and do what makes you happy. So it's, uh, it's kind of nice to hear that kind of success story. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's nice looking back on it, but 
I'm, I'm, I will actually say at the time, at the time it was. Oh, it's probably it shit at the time. Yeah, you're probably yeah, stressing your ass. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult. I mean, I was, I was lucky that whilst I was working on the brand Magic Rock and, like I say, spending the summers in France, I was, I was living at, well, I was basically living at my mum and dad's and uh, I didn't have any massive overheads. But as soon as I, as soon as I stopped mountain bike guiding, which I did for two summers, I, you know, I'm talking, I was 20, probably 24, 25, oh, no, 20, sorry, no, older than that, I was 20, Seven, 26, 27, I suppose. I, I you know, I, I moved out with my mum and dad. I took a flat. I, I, uh, I paid six months' rent up front because I'd, Ooh. I'd, I'd, I'd basically gained some, uh, some capital. But I was, I didn't want the stress of meeting the rent every month. So I basically paid six months' rent up front. Uh, I mean, it, it was a large amount of money, but not like colossal like the rent in London. Uh, but it was a scary proposition i basically put myself in a six month flat and i was like right okay i've got six months here i know that the rent's paid for but i've basically got six months now to to try and build some sort of sustainable income uh by working for you know x y and z and yeah at the time it was uh it was incredibly sort of scary and exciting at the same time but but equally uh kind of a bit of a that's the right way of putting it. It was kind of, uh, yeah, it played a lot on my mind. I mean, I wasn't uh, very, I was never really super good at networking. I didn't really want to sort of go out uh, to sort of uh, like exhibitions, but I didn't really sort of put myself in a, a city centre scenario. I was living in a little sort of uh, town outside of Huddersfield and uh, I was working incredibly hard, but I was also whilst I wasn't when I wasn't working I was out riding my bike or spending time in nature so I was kind of like at the time it was incredibly scary and I, I wasn't super confident I suppose that it was going to sort of work out but you know that's kind of life I suppose really you've kind of got to take these you know not take these chances but just sort of be confident uh try to be confident and just see and be true as well to yourself and just sort of see where it see where it goes and and uh and luckily, you know, I, I had some good clients that uh, I got work from. And uh, except for a, a small stint where I actually went back and worked full time for a design agency that lasted about three months. And uh, I went, I can't, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to, I want to be working for myself. Uh, yeah, it seems to have, it seems to have worked out, worked out. Yeah, pretty well, actually. You know, it's uh, sometimes, some days I have to really sort of remind myself that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in a really, I'm in a really good position in terms of the work that I, I get to do, and a lot of that, thanks, does actually fall to Rich because you know he, he sort of uh, was was confident in me building the brand with him, and he's also, he's uh, yeah, he's been incredible really, sort of uh, allowing me to follow my uh, follow my instincts and follow follow this little little path that we seem to be sort of uh walking down shall we say amen man yeah i think it's it's mm. like right it's nice to look back right and you look at things and mm. you don't think about these little i don't know i know it's, it might be a reach metaphorically but i mean you're big into biking a lot of that is the open terrain and the unknown and trying to figure out your way when you're out there and going mm. on a different course i mean that's really 
I mean, I know you said about the two paths, but it really just shows, you know, all these little milestones and things that happened. You took a chance in yourself. I kind of like that. I like that part of the story where you put down the six months hmm. and you kind of knew like it was, you know, well, I mean, because yeah. cause they always like the yeah. saying is always like paycheck to paycheck, right? When you look at it that way, it just seems so intense. Like, okay, I have to do it yeah. now to get to that next point where you kind of stretch that out and it was, you know, okay, this time. And so you were building and allowed you to kind of, first probably look around at your empty flat and go holy shit like what am i doing and then being like <laughs> yeah. but not knowing like you don't have to have that answer tomorrow exactly, and then, yeah, and, then exactly. and then you you, know, you helped you, know, you helped rich's brand grow by being there at the early phase and you know he, he showed you know you showed your your passion and your your worth and it was you know probably went from once or you know every couple months or every other month you were doing some work and then it probably became mm. you know a couple times a month and then it probably became every other week and it just grew from there and rich knew yeah. that you, rich knew that you were his guy and it just kind of as it grew you know i love those stories where okay now i'm able to hire my first couple employees and you know for a brewery i mean right the it's about beer and so for them to make that decision i mean i think the branding is is spot on i think it's like we were talking about before it's very unique and so i think you you know you hope for that because it's a super competitive space and good beer people will come and drink good beer but then folks mm -hmm. everyone's looking for the new you know they're a new beer or they go to the you know the package store and looking at it and it sticks out to them on the shelf and it's like oh what is this and sure. you compliment that you know obviously i always say that you know good branding and labels will get you that first date but you know the beer inside is you know we'll, we'll keep bringing them back so it's just a nice complimentary relationship and i think that the designs are you know i'm uh I, i'm a, i'm loving your story and i really, I really just uh, you know, appreciate you again you being a part of this oh thanks very much i mean yeah you're right exactly right you know the the, the content within the sort of package is is uh fundamental that's a really important part and uh that was again with Rich, you know, he was kind of when he set it up. You know, he's he's never it was, again. We were I was chatting to him about it this other day. You know, he's never never cut corners in terms of the quality. He always tried to make it the best he can make it uh, with the resources that he has. And the 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 quality of the product inside is obviously fundamental. Yeah, obviously, yeah, how it looks on the shelf is important. And bringing people in, that, I mean, that that'll get you like you say the first initial sort of like interest. But then, you know, if it's if it's not a good product that they're putting down their neck, you know, they, they won't necessarily come back. Uh, so, you know, you, you need to, you need to win people over from the start. And yeah, like, like I say, with, with rich, Rich's sort of philosophy of making it the best he can make it. Uh, you know, I think that's what really helped us uh, at the start. You know, the, the product was, was good. Uh, and we, we packaged it the best we could. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds it sounds simple uh, uh, in the sort of in the, in that statement, but obviously the execution of that is uh, is uh, much more difficult because uh, you know I'm not I'm not a brewer, but uh, it's you know things can sometimes go wrong within brewing, you know. So and it's uh, it seems to be sometimes quite an unstable product, you know. Things change, and is uh, yeah, they've always they've always tried to make it make it as good as it can be and uh if there's ever ever been any issues with it you know he's he's you know he's, he's been like you know we can't we can't put that out there we won't we can't sell that it's not it's not good enough it doesn't stand up which was which is interesting we were 
which brings us back to the the packaging sort of side of things. Initially, when we we started, we were very we were quite known for not having uh, any small pack availability, so we didn't have any bottles of beer that people could buy in the retail space. Uh, and I think a lot of that was uh, down to a couple of reasons. But one of them was that at the time we didn't have our own bottling facility. We would send beer away, uh, and then it would come back bottled, but it would never come back like. The, the same that we'd sent it uh, you know that i think the filtration systems at the bottling plants uh kind of maybe stripped out some of the quality flavor so at the time rich, rich just basically said i don't i don't want a bottle beer uh because it's not as good as it it is when we finish it here so uh and then the other reason obviously hand bottling a product is massively labor intensive so we for a long time we didn't we didn't have a small pack uh product uh which was yeah due to the quality thing, but uh, you know it's, it's about the idea of making it the best the best it can be. And uh, yeah, obviously when we when we moved moved to the new site, we uh, we went straight into cans cans at that point, and uh, that was kind of the first first real launch of a small pack uh, availability for for consumers. Uh, which was yeah, I think it was very much. Uh, a long time coming you know we had a few issues with the first or the second site that we were we were supposed to take and that knocked us back a, about a year uh so we were ready to can probably a year before we actually got the cans out and uh yeah since then i don't think we've i don't think we've well looked back i suppose we've just installed a new canning line and uh we've just finished the sort of uh, refresh or rebrand of the of the current current core range cans and uh yeah it's uh well, full steam ahead but it's always been full steam ahead <laughs> yeah i've always when you hear like oh a brewery said this wasn't the quality we just had to get rid of it and it's like and just depending on the style of the beer it could you know could have waited months to find that out and so i, I always i always cringe because that just makes me sad but i always have a mm. increased level of just respect for the idea that you know, you're literally throwing money down the drain because, you know, oh, yeah. but I think that, that like we said, you, know, you you might only have that one chance. And so if that's what you think, you know, about it, you know, someone tells their friend, oh, I had their beer and it tasted like shit, you know, or it was, yeah, exactly. it was funky and, you know, I'd rather have this beer. And so I, yeah, I, I commend that. And I think like I said, I really, uh, I, I never, the, the cool thing is, I mean, it's not cool for me, but I've never had the beer. I don't know what the beer tastes like, Rich. So, right, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of okay. nice. Like, the cool thing, that, so that's really the show is like, it's really about, you know, you and the work. And obviously, we'll we'll figure out how I can get some, you know, at some point, I've maybe, I have uh, colleagues over there, maybe they'll send me some some cans. But yeah, I just, I mean, I just, I, what you're doing is, is really unique. Can you talk a little bit about your kind of your process or, you know, what you, you know, yeah. how you kind of kind of come up with the labels, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it does start actually. Sometimes with just pen and paper. Uh, I'll, actually, you know, I'll just. I've always been quite enjoyed doodling or just drawing and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting, really, because when we initially set up the brand, uh, I was more, I was a graphic designer by trade, so uh, the actual illustrative style that was that made the core of the the brand when we first started was something that I enjoyed doing and I did do at the time, but it wasn't that something that I would be doing all the time. I was definitely doing more 
uh, structured, uh, geometric or branding or graphic design or uh, whatever you want to sort of call it. I wasn't doing as much illustration, uh, but with the sort of theme of the brewery, uh, when we set it up, which was kind of like this circus sort of theme idea, a little bit of dark humour in there, uh, it it was definitely just doing little drawings, little faces, characters and sort of uh, circles and eyes and, you know, smiling and all this kind of stuff and little sort of uh, circus-themed drawings. And then uh, obviously the brand developed in terms of how it's kind of looking now from when it first started, which, which I, you know, purely put down as a sort of, uh, you know, it's kind of like the how the brand has kind of uh, grown and matured, which is like how we are as people. You know, it's kind of uh, I've been here from the start, so for me, you know, it's kind of keeping me engaged with the work as well. Because you know, as an in-house designer, it's easy to become. I know we're kind of going off off kilter here, but as an in-house designer, it's kind of easy to become quite uh, I don't know stagnant, really. You know, you're just churning out quite a lot of the same stuff all the time. So for me, you know. It's, uh, maybe sometimes a little bit fall victim of always wanting to not change things, but sort of develop things. And yeah, so like the way that the designs look now is, is obviously, yeah, very, it looks different to say the cans that were designed three years ago, but fundamentally the way that they've been developed and uh, drawn is, is still the same really. You know, I'll kind of either sometimes start with a design and there'll be a, a name that might sort of, allow me a little hook into what it might fundamentally look like uh obviously you know i use a lot of a lot of circles uh a lot of sort of a uh, little sort of mouth sort of style uh objects but yeah i'll, I'll kind of just i'll just sort of start there and see where it kind of takes me and uh yeah the process really is yeah from from maybe little little drawings uh I'll always like to have the name of the beer to begin with, just to sort of give me a little bit of a starting point. And then, and then, yeah, I'll start to, I mean, the way that I'm designing now uh, is yeah, geometric and sort of more pattern based, uh, which is actually goes back to uh, my sort of initial first job out of university. I was working at a fashion consultancy and I was doing uh, at that point, I was, very much a sort of vector-based sort of shape style designer and the place I was working wanted me to do a little bit more fabric design so they they helped me sort of develop this idea of how repeat pattern works and the mechanics of that and uh and now yeah sort of 14 years later I'm sort of going back to that initial uh thought process and creating pattern and shapes for for, for what is now the magic rocker sort of uh design you know I'll, I'll put together a series of shapes that are maybe to start with like maybe a face or uh, an illustration but then they become a little bit more abstract you know shapes start to move but and then I, I'll, I'll i'll create maybe a pattern and then i'll sort of see how that looks and then start to lay it out and yeah it's, a lot of it now is to do with the balance of the circles next to each other or uh, the way that the way that it's being cropped uh, and it's kind of hard really to sort of explain how it ends up being how it is but uh, it's a lot of it's to do with just instinct and 
being comfortable with it, uh, which is really nice. Uh, again, I was chatting to a friend about this. It's, I feel like I'm in a really nice place as a, as a designer at the moment. I don't know whether it's because I've, uh, I've, I'm a little bit older, but, uh, you know, you designers can procrastinate for a long time about a design, which is amazing. And it's definitely something that you need to do. Uh, and I definitely did it as a younger designer, but, but now I'm in a position where I'm kind of just trusting my instincts and kind of going with that. And it, yeah, it's allowing, I don't know, it feels like quite a free sort of area, free space to be in, and, which is really, really nice because not that it's, at all uh, quicker, shall we say? It allows me to do stuff quicker. Well, it does effectively. It does allow me to do stuff quicker, which is not a bad place to be. But it just allows me to sort of do something, and you, I get a feeling now for it, and I'm just be like, yeah, that's it. Whereas, uh, uh, and the majority of the time it goes like that. But I mean, a good example is uh, we've just literally finished a whole new car, car cans, and the last two to be done were two of us two of the darker beers so one is called dark arts which is our stout and the other one is common grounds which is a a coffee porter which is done with a local coffee roastery called darkwoods now the common grounds one i was quite nervous about uh designing it i did that first designed that and just kind of uh did it and i was like wow yeah can i come out kind of how i i wasn't expecting it to come out quite as easily as that uh and then dark arts follow that when i started as the design of that maybe it was a slight of confidence but i was like this is going to be an easy one it's black and white it's it's a black and white can within the range uh we're keeping it black and white i was not at all uncomfortable doing it but i had a real struggle designing it i don't know why it was kind of it took me a lot longer to get it than the rest all the rest of the car range cans for some unknown reason and i can't explain why uh, it was purely just down to a feeling. Now, I can only really maybe say why, because either I was confident that it was going to go so well and easily, uh, and I maybe over, over, uh, yeah, over it, the expectation of it was like too much. I don't know, and it, it took me a lot longer. Which is, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it goes like that. Uh, but yeah, that's the kind of the way it kind of happens now. It's. Uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 and it's interesting because like we me and Rich were talking about this the other day when when we initially set up the brand uh, did the design. Uh, obviously, we had quite a very intricate lot sort of landscape, uh, illustrative style to our pump clips or beer labels at the time or bottle labels. But whenever I did something that was on a bigger scale, like I remember we did the first delivery van uh, very early on. Uh, I did the graphics at kind of a bigger scale and less less of a sort of uh, put together landscape and more of a sort of I say yeah more, more of a not an abs it wasn't as abstract it was definitely a bigger scale and I something I always felt a little bit more comfortable with them even so early on I'm like oh, they look a little bit they look a little bit better than these but never you know just time really and time's brought us to to where we are now uh, and. They seem to, you know, the, the newer style uh, seems to have been received well within the market. Uh, they initially came about because we had the core range cans designed, but we were starting to do uh, a bigger 500 mil uh, small batch uh, 
brews that would be coming out once a month. Uh, they were small batch and they would be uh, applied with a label as opposed to a pre-printed can, which is what the core range are. And to sort of slightly differentiate in the marketplace, uh, we decided that the 500 mil labels would be uh, treated slightly differently. So I'd done a, a label, uh, I mean, this is, we're going back now, I don't know, two, three, about three years. I'd done a label at, using the illustration on a bigger scale for uh, uh, one of the Rainbow Projects, which is a, a, a project that was brought about where breweries would come together and do a beer from each, uh, each colour of the rainbow. And I'd, I'd done a label for that. And uh, uh, funny enough, actually, the poster's in front of me now, uh, in uh, 2016, and the, the illustration was slightly bigger. And it was kind of like, oh, that looks quite cool. That's sort of nice treatment. So when we did the 500 mil labels, we we went down that sort of path and we were like, we'll use the illustrations bigger, maybe a little bit more pattern based. Uh, and th that's how the 500 mil, 500 mil labels uh, sort of went. The first one actually, funny enough, was with uh, Cigar City, uh, which is obviously American American brewery. Uh, we uh, It was called Waniac, which is, so Wayne, the head brewer from Cigar City, uh, we called it Waniac because that's what he is known as at their brewery. Uh, we asked the MD of Cigar City if he was cool with us calling that, and he was like, yeah, no worries, uh, happy to do that. So we did these sort of, like I said, the 500 mil labels were looked a little bit different on the shelf, so people could be like, uh, if they were in a shop, they'd be like, oh, that's a 500 mil label from Magic Rock, that's a small batch brew. I better, you know, I'm not that I better get it now, but they're not going to rebrew that, like, say, Cannonball or Highwire, which is one of our regular core range cans. So, yeah, we, we that's that's how the the initial uh, sort of refresh or rebrand started. And like I say, it was quite a, I suppose quite a holistic or organic sort of uh, decision to do it. It wasn't wasn't very much like sat around going right. We're going to read we're going to redesign all these cans. It it kind of happened through uh, through the process and. We uh, one of the cans that uh, really sort of kickstarted the idea of uh, making all the new core range look like they do now was a beer that we did called Phantasma, which is a it's a gluten free IPA. Uh, we'd done it in a 500 ml label. Uh, we designed it in that treatment, so much bigger scale graphics, big thick black lines, a uh, couple of colours, because uh, all the other previous designs were you know, two color tonal, you know, blue on blue, uh, pink on pink, uh, green on green, for example. And uh, Phantasma beer went down really well. Uh, there wasn't many gluten-free IPAs out in the marketplace at the time. So we decided that that would be really good to take into a car range can. Uh, and obviously at that point, we were, we were we were sort of met with a very, very sort of vivid sort of choice. We had the design for the 500 mil, which is this big black sort of bold pattern-based design. And then we had the core range cans at the current time, which was this little bit more intricate illustrative style. Uh, so obviously we decided to go down the sort of Fantasma style design route uh, and put the 330 mil core range can into that treatment. Uh, and we always had the sort of thought that we would take all the rest of the core range cans into that style, but I don't think we thought at the time that we would do it 
uh, as quick as we have done or where we find ourselves now where we've kind of just finished all all the sort of series shall we say yeah i love the series and yeah the the foundation in the circle which if i mean going through kind of the archives it looks to me like that's a you know a bike a cycling wheel i mean i think that's kind of it's yeah. if yeah I, think, yeah I think early on you know probably like it looks like if i remember probably a year or so ago you guys were doing or maybe longer you know cycling even i think just a, a short promo showing you're going to be showing cycling at the yeah. Oh yeah, the tap room. Yeah, and so it looks like yeah to me. I, once I fit the cycling, I mean, it's probably a reach, but it looks like you always you're tying in, you know, your 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 bike wheel, which is kind of a nice tie into how you and Rich met. But maybe it's just a stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but that's like you say, that's uh, like you've you know you've interpreted it that way, and you've made that link, you know, and that's kind of that's the beauty of how people see things or people sort of interpret things. You know, sometimes you'll do you'll do some and the interpretation is this but then somebody else will say oh it, it kind of makes me think of that and you're like oh wow i wasn't even going for that but yeah, yeah. cool you know what i mean so yeah and then some um, of them yeah some of them look like puzzles like you'd want to like take them apart and then they like just kind of how like they don't align but they still have a patterns yeah. that are chopped up so I, yeah I, like i said i've uh it's been a it's well, been a, it's, kinda... been, it's been a fun experience kind of diving through your your portfolio and folks go to magic rock brewing uh, on uh, Instagram, it's they do a beautiful job and uh, me, uh, huge kudos to the the photographer. I think they do a wonderful job of uh, bringing, you know, showing showcasing your your work there. I mean, they usually when they post, you know, in kind of in life photos, you know, they do you know the mm. different different panes or variations of the same photo, and you really can see some of the intricate details, which I think is just. Again, photography is just another wonderful way to bring things to bring things to life, and then go to magicrockbrewing.com. I mean, that's another good example of meeting somebody through cycling. My friend Sam, uh, who is a photographer for us, he's a he's an incredible Sam Needham. Go check him out on Instagram. He's a he's an incredible uh, bike photographer. Uh, he works for some great great global brands within the industry, and. Uh, I met him uh, through cycling, and he's he's now part of he's now part of Magic Rock. You know, I, I, I'm lucky that he's a friend, but I bring him in uh, when I can because he's he's normally in some far flung place around the world shooting some idyllic sort of scenery with bikes involved. But when he's around and I have uh, the opportunity to bring him in, I, I bring him in to, to photograph our cans. And yeah, that's another it's another level of like. Uh, bringing the brand to life you know it, sam in his own right is a, is a it has great ideas so i kind of when i when i when i yeah bring him in I, I don't sort of structure it in a way that's like i need this shot this shot this shot it's kind of like right i've got these cans i need to photograph and uh you know i'd like to maybe get some shots in the brewery and stuff and uh kind of like let him let him run with the imagination and uh we did a we did our first sort of a I suppose proper beer festival this summer called Seshfest, uh, which was a uh, it was all beers under four and a half percent. That was the premise of the sort of in, uh, the way that we wanted to structure it. Uh, we had lots of uh, amazing breweries uh, come, but we also shot like a little film uh, of the day. And yeah, I kind of worked with Sam on that and just allowed him to sort of use his skills as a as a photographer and as a filmmaker to come up with like how it should be shot and 
yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah, it's 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 a really nice nice thing to do. And then that's a repeat thing, you know. Like now, it's important to have that consistency. Obviously, sometimes you know he's not always available, so I have to uh, confess I some of the shots are some of the less <laughs> some of the shots that aren't as good are sort of done by me. But uh, yeah, when we get the opportunity. <laughs> Uh, we always we always try to bring bring Sam in and yeah. Uh, and if you want to yeah, yeah if you want to follow Sam on Instagram Sam need Sam need ha- yeah for yeah. yeah just for spelling wise Sam need ham underscore photo and um, yeah he's yeah uh, check him out it's really great and like I said I, I just really uh, I love it. it's usually when you can t- one of the Sam shots of the cans you can tell it's usually two or three shots and it's the you know the far the close and then the really detailed shot so it's really he yeah it's really it's really nice it's a huge compliment you know to your work and the branding well i mean that's kind of interesting the the, the thing you said about the detail one so like the 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 macro shot for example we were we were talking about a a bit of an idea like not an not not an exhibition so to speak but almost like the macro shots that he takes they almost the, the the graphics become something different if you know what I mean they become this uh, the photography allows it to sort of look differently than just looking at it close with your own eye uh, and almost like we were talking about doing some sort of like is there an idea in the sort of I don't know the abstract of brewing or the abstract of the industry that we work in and kind of just taking these like little detailed shots from this macro lens uh, he did some shots in the brew house of like super like detailed incredible like water droplets uh that were just like incredible photographs and we yeah we started to just have this conversation about i don't know macro macro sort of detailed shots and i I don't even know where that's going to take us it might end up being nothing or it might end up being i don't know something that could appear somewhere within the brand if you know what i mean and yeah that's kind of like just being open to open to ideas and open to uh open to visuals is kind of is kind of like what's what you yeah what is interesting as a designer just I don't know, just enjoying that enjoying that aspect of seeing stuff in a different way and kind of going oh that's kind of cool and that looks pretty interesting and what would that look like on a on a can label yeah i think yeah. it's nice because i mean a lot of the cool stuff with beer is experimenting and trying new techniques or new processes. And so to mm-hmm. be able to do that with another artist is really wonderful. And to have that, again, that connection, I don't know, the, the, the cycling undertones are Im- impressive to say the least, but it's uh, nice yeah. to see that kind of how everyone's connected in that way. And it just, it seems, it seems to, to bring things to life and really uh, it's, it's really been a nice, a nice experience to, to be a part of. Um, yeah, totally, man, totally. Now, this last question is kind of a fun one. Um, I I think we had a we had a art a designer probably you know like forty episodes ago who was a cyclist, and I was like, oh, what do you listen to when you're cycling? And he was like, very, I don't listen. You know, it's not very safe to be listening to music while you're cycling. So I've kind of learned that's a stupid question. But um, yeah. when you're creating your designs, what kind of what kind of tunes you listen to? What's the what's the vibe like? Give me some bands. What's on your playlist? What do you got going? Oh man, yeah, yeah. It kind of varies, really. Uh, oh man, I mean, I'm a massive Boards of Canada fan. Uh, so Boards of Canada, uh, a duo from Scotland, uh, and they they kind of they kind of make sort of 
well, how can I describe it? Like ambient sort of like drone style, uh, long sort of expansive sort of space kind of like music, if you know what I mean. I, I almost akin it to like, if you're in like a really nice landscape, uh, it's kind of like a little bit like how I feel like the landscape might be coming back at me. So it's kind of, I find it, I don't know, particularly, I mean, I love, I love band music as well. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, man, it's always funny when you get put on the spot like this because uh, there's so much, so much music uh, out there. Uh, this is a self-serving one for me, Rich. I just basically like folks all around the world to give me new uh, bands and artists to check yeah. out. So if you want to... Well, uh, you, should def- you should definitely check out Boards of Canada, but then going down other routes like Mogwai, uh, Explosions in the Sky, uh, people like Animal Collective are really interesting. And there's a guy called Panda Bear that I listen to quite a lot. Uh, and then yeah, I don't know. I've, uh, uh, but I listen to like it's funny actually because my wife always comments about this. I'll I'll be listening to a certain style of music and then I'll sort of put something on that seems to sort of bring a sort of slightly different left field angle on it. We're in the car. I might put something like Kendrick Lamar on uh, uh, or like Travis Scott. And I yeah, I, I sort of listen. I suppose from listening to like Death Soul and uh, sort of Grandmaster Flash uh, growing up and like hip hop and stuff, I still really like that beat. Uh, uh, but then lots of like, uh, yeah, dance, dance sort of style music. So uh, there's a really good record label called Rhythm Section, which is based in London and they have amazing artists on there like Chaos and the CBD. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, there's lots of different styles of music. Uh, and then yeah, classics, Bowie, Pixies, uh, Paul Simon. I noticed that you had Paul Simon on your Instagram account, and I was only listening to Graceland a few weeks ago, and it's an incredible album. Oh uh, uh, yeah, we we went to uh, see him for one of his last shows at Madison Square Garden. My wife and I, and it was. I mean, we. Oh my word. Yeah, we <laughs> saw. I saw him about six, seven, I'm trying to think. I, I usually figure things around the birth of my children. I feel like I might have not had kids, so it might have been a little wild every night. <laughs> but yeah, we're, Paul Simon's a bittersweet for us because we love him. We always keep like a running list of artists who want to see live and we were dating or had just been married. I, I could probably pull the date up, but it was the Beacon Theater in Manhattan reopened and I bought tickets. Long story short, they ended up being fake tickets. And we didn't find out there were fake tickets until we got to the oh, door. My word. So like every time yeah, we yeah. go to a show now, it's always like until they scan it, like let us in. There's always this like deep breath unless I bought them directly. Like so I, I rarely oh, buy them secondary market now because I always just like it was this. It was oh, and to make it worse, it was Valentine's Day. Oh my god! <laughs> what do you do instead? Uh, it was pretty sad. We went to get a quick bite to eat, and I think probably maybe a a pint or a cup of coffee and then we sadly drove home <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty disappointing but a memorable story oh yeah but, yeah uh, yeah it makes for a good yeah. story because then we had the same thing happen to us well differently it was paul mccartney at yankee stadium and okay. he, did, he did a two-night stand and we had tickets for saturday and i guess the person either mistakenly loaded the wrong tickets into the system or tried to rip us off and we go there on Saturday and they say, oh, these are tickets for last night's show. <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully that one, and uh, we'll give a quick plug to StubHub. They had a 1-800 yeah. number. I called, and long story short, they said, come back in 30 minutes. We'll take care of you. And I was like, okay. I just figured hopefully we just get in the building. And they gave us 10th row center 
for oh, free, and they reimbursed me my, the, my original ticket cost. To McCartney? Yeah, it was oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember seeing him at Glastonbury, and uh, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it's kind of, you know, big artists like that I don't really see that often. I remember seeing McCartney and Springsteen uh, at Glastonbury and just being absolutely blown away by the quality of, like, the output, if you know what I mean. Uh, and just, yeah, just... Yeah, mesmerizing, really. Uh, yeah, there's loads of yeah, music's incredible for that. There's just loads of different styles that you can get exposed to. Really lucky, actually. The guy that I work with here, uh, Duncan, who's our like social media manager and uh, taproom, uh, he helps set up the taproom as well. He's his knowledge of music is incredible. He used to run a record label, and uh, yeah, he, he he can just yeah he. I would just be like, oh, have you got any new artists that you want to... And they'll be like, this, this, and this. And I'm like, great. Exactly. And we share music as well. Yeah, and I'll share stuff back to him and stuff. But yeah, it's... Uh, well, Duncan, hook us up, brother. We want to hear some more tunes. Yeah, that's where... That, yeah. That, this is probably the most self-serving question. I try to add new artists and create a... My Spotify, you know, is all over the place. And I used to be a, a disc jockey for about 10 years. And so I love new right, music. Okay. Yeah, and so this is just basically keeps me cool you know and that's what we're we just started doing music mondays we recommend an album every monday because there's just so much good music out there and um yeah it's actually that's like it's become hard i'm like what album do i want to recommend there's so many good albums so i just kind of just pull up spotify and look at what i've been kind of rocking to lately and just kind of go with it yeah yeah, yeah. definitely man definitely yeah no it's cool uh well yeah yeah man you're a natural rich you, you crushed it brother yeah. I hope everyone can understand my uh, my Yorkshire accent. Oh, uh, you're bloody you're <laughs> bloody brilliant, right? Yeah, I yeah I know yeah it was it was it was quite fine. I definitely it was uh yeah like I said you you crushed it. It was you're very you're natural and you kind of got into your you know your your third gear you know pun intended and you really just kind of <laughs> just crushed it. I could feel that you were kind of warming up and feeling comfortable about it and telling things. So it was great. I love to. Uh, do, Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you based near? We have uh, importers in America, so I'll have to speak to our American importers and see if I can get some beer to you. Oh wow! Uh, okay, I, I didn't realize. Yeah, so. I'm, yeah, I'm in Connecticut, which is, uh, which is, uh, that, yeah, I'm right near New York. Eastern Seaboard, yeah. What? Yeah. Is that that's Eastern Seaboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I was funny enough, I was just looking before where you were based, and uh, obviously, I've, I'm really into pizza. This is another little weird side thing. Uh, how far are you from New Haven? I'm real close. Yeah. Okay. So there's like there's a there's a show on YouTube. Uh, well, it's Vice magazine have a thing called Munches, and uh, there's a show on there called the Pizza Show. And uh, one of the it's like in its third series now. One of the episodes from the Pizza Show is from New Haven, and uh, there's like all, I've got names of all these pizza places that I kind of want to visit. I basically want to come to like New Haven just to eat pizza. The pizza's uh, good. Yeah, I'm from Philadelphia originally, but the New Haven style pizza is, uh, yeah, with yeah. the brick well, with they, the brick oven, it's 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 actually wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that funny enough, this is how, how geeky I am. They call it a beats. I think it's called. That's how the name. They don't call it pizza. They call it a beats. I think I've got. Oh uh, yeah, a, a, yeah, a, a pizza. Yeah, yeah, pizza. Yeah, yeah, a pizza. Yeah. So like Frank Pepe and Sal's and. Uh, Look at you, dude. Yeah, go you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Modern, modern or pizza and stuff. Yeah, man, it's funny. I'm like a bit of a geek on pizza. Well, come on, uh, yeah, dude. Come on over, brother. I would, I would love it. <laughs> well, there's some and there's some great beer bars up there. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, we're planning my fo- we're planning my fortieth, and we're gonna do some some trouble <laughs> in New Haven. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go eat a load of uh, go carb loading, or shall we say, cyclists. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, Fuck good, all, yeah, be good awesome. Chat to you. All right, yeah, mate. Uh, we'll probably go. We'll probably go live in maybe like three, four weeks. I'll give you a heads up. We'll create like a cool. graphic that we do with all the episodes, and uh, it's been a real pleasure, man. Hopefully, I get to have a point or two in person with you, and thank you. But you're a natural, yeah. man. Thank you very much, AJ. Yeah, it's been a been a pleasure. Uh, like I say, yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to uh, I'll speak to our importers, Kevin at Shelton Brothers, and see if I can get some. Oh, get okay, some cool. Beer oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah. I want to look. Yeah, if you guys have a store, I want to. I mean, if any if any of these labels ever become like T-shirts or something, I think they'd be awesome. So I would. Yeah, would definitely. Yeah, be cool. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. One of them. We've just done a T-shirt for one of the car range cans that uh, that is in the style. So I'll see what. Uh, I mean, I can get one. Of those yeah. No. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not. What, I'm not what, trying what to. I'll, I'll gladly pay for it. I'm not trying to impose myself. No, but, yeah. no, man. What size are you? Uh, sadly, a large. But yeah, I think that's always a safe bet. <laughs> Okay, cool. No worries. I'll get a T-shirt sent to you, and then I'll speak to, like I said, I'll see if I can try and orchestrate getting some beer sent to you. You'd be a magician. I'd be. I'd be I would. I would be the cool kid. Yeah, I love it. So I just wanted to thank no, you again. Like no I worries. said, you're. Cheers, dude. Thank you very I, much. I, all right, okay, man. Well, uh, I yeah. Go do some design work. <laughs> yeah, go do something. Yeah, yeah. Do something. Yeah. Uh, work those circles in. Yeah, just do a whole bunch of cheers, circles. Man. All right. Cheers. Yeah, man. Have, have a good day. Speak oh, to you soon. too. Cheers. Thanks, man. See you later. Bye, bye. And there we have it, folks. That's a wrap. The one, the only, Mr. Richard Norgate, Magic Rock Brewing, right here on the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Remember, you can follow along with Richard's work on the Instagram, Rich Norgate. You can also follow along with Magic Rock Brewing at Magic Rock Brewing, magicrockbrewing.com. And we thank you for taking the time to join us here. We know this episode was a little bit long, so we'd love some feedback what do you guys think of the Heidi segment in the middle? We'd previously tried it at the end. So if you are, uh, don't know what that's all about, 48 Beer Project, it's really cool. So our friend Heidi is one of our alumni. She's basically living in a modified bus, traveling around the United States, visiting a brewery in every state in the continent of the United States, working on an art project, whether it's a label or an art installment. And so... Yeah, we we thought it'd be a cool idea to check in from the road on this interpretive art piece about culture, people, and just uh, see what's going on. But fingers crossed, we're really hoping we get over to London this year, get over to the UK, meet some of these great folks we have the pleasure of uh, you know speaking with, present company included. You know, Rich was a great guest. He's a Wonderful storyteller. I don't think he even realized that. He could sit there for, you know, I wouldn't say hours, but, I mean, he definitely, his stories, you know, those guests are the best. I just basically sit back, listen, take some notes, and, you know, see where it takes us. So I want to thank Rich again for for being a part of the project. He's got a great story. I think it's really inspiring. Shows a lot about passion and hard work and making choices and believing in yourself, you know, the six months rent kind of putting it down life gauntlet you know people say you got to put your chips in he said you know six months and it gave some flexibility allowed to take some chances and you know now he's making some of the most unique cans in craft beer 
you know, around the world. And it's just uh, an extension of who he is and his genuine love and passion for, you know, life, cycling, music, found out pizza. So, Rich, the invitation is wide open. You come to New Haven. I'm about 15, 20 minutes away. And, uh, you know, would love to hit all the spots together. We can make a huge effort about it going there this weekend for the big 4-0. That's right, folks. I know you're saying, how is that babyface guy 40 years old? Well, I appreciate all the gifts that have come in and I uh, appreciate all the support. A great birthday present would be if you head on over to iTunes, click the five stars, or four if you think it's four stars. I mean, let's be honest. This is a five-star effort we put in this week. And just uh, leave us a review. You know, the review could be happy birthday, AJ. You fucking rock. I don't know if Apple would like that, but, you know, simple is good, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you. You're cool. And, yes, that's right, folks. I'm out. Until next week, happy birthday to me.